This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host as we look back at a welcome three points for Palace away at Burnley. A measured performance saw Roy Hodgson's men take the spoils with a first half Wilfred Zaha strike as he smashed home a shot at the near post towards the end of the first half before super slub Jeff Schlupp took advantage of a mistake at the back and drove home in similar fashion in the second half. Despite a few scares and a few missed chances, it felt a comfortable win for the Eagles and we look forward to a busy Christmas period. There's plenty for us to discuss and we'll be looking back at the game, reviewing some of your comments and questions as well as looking ahead to the Bournemouth game on Tuesday night. I'll be introducing you to my panel in just a moment. Super schlub schlub. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Super schlub. I don't care. He's he's going to stay as a super super slug. There you go. There are ninety nine reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right. Introduce the panel time. My favourite part of the show. Um, But let's go first with Mike Scott. Hello, Mike. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, that's two yo-yos or three, two, like one and a half. Yo- How many yo's did you just say? I've confused that's myself. Three yo's, yo's. um, two from the yeah. 1970s and one from now. Fantastic. All right. Um, hello, right. You've, you've been uh, moonlighting hosting the preview show, haven't you? Yeah, I, I'm not even sure it's a great idea. Me coming on here, people would be absolutely sick of me. Uh, apologies, people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could pray, perhaps do this show in a different accent. Would that work? I'm terrible with accents. I can I can do a I can do a slight Irish accent there, but that's it. Well, and uh, maybe give, a Warnock you, accent. You're gonna give that a go, the Irish accent? Uh no, I, I feel like <laughs> Sorry, the no, more woke listeners might not be too uh, too happy with that. No, um, but the one thing I wanna say from doing that is um I spent a lovely evening with Heskiff, which is always a pleasure. Um he predicted a win, which never ever happens, and we actually won. So he has to now predict a win for the rest of time on the preview pod um, because he's clearly a good luck charm. Well, absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's you know it's a a requirement now if he's got a hundred percent win record predicting thing going on. Anyway, that's quite enough from Mike. Let's speak to Chris Clark. That was all right, wasn't it? Hi, Chris. Hello, Chris. You all right? 
Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not going to talk to you very much because we spent a long time in a car together yesterday, didn't we? Oh, I've said yesterday. This is, oh, I've, I've, I've introduced time. Yeah, like, you've mentioned time. Oh, this is a nightmare, isn't it? Um, are you going to just ask a question again? Would you just know? Mike could just beat the word yesterday, can't he? <laughs> work? Okay, at some point, yeah, we, we shared a long car journey and didn't run out of things to say. It was it was like a podcast, but without recording it. Yeah, I guess so. And um, I asked you a, a question quite a lot, didn't I? About um, <laughs> about your um, yeah, about your your enjoyment of the old beer there. Um, how, how you getting yeah, on? Um, any today? Yeah, yeah. Uh, today I have a uh, Wild Beer Company Yokai beer with Yuzai, Umami, and Balance, and it's very nice. Okay, it's good that it's got umami in it. Um, and you also um, in just showed some terrible, terrible taste in selecting Punk IPA as your beer. Awful, awful decision. But um, I'm sure there'll be some listeners at home that agree with you, and possibly maybe even some on the podcast. But um, nope. anyway, good to have you. Ooh, what? No, not at all. That's a terrible beer. Good. It's too hoppy for Mike. Excellent, excellent stuff. I like to hear this. So, all right, excellent stuff. Well, let's. Oh, we've left him till last because it's obviously complicated to talk to him every week. But here he is, Mr. Dr. Kernas. Hello, hello. Call me Heskiff Junior because I have water, unlike you, you guys. So, yeah. Um, it, there's lots of reasons why I won't call you Heskiff Junior. To be honest with you, why? Um, I mean, I don't know. I just to be fair, do I want to be Heskiff Junior? I mean that that man admires Chalov too much for my liking. <laughs> he likes Chalov. I mean, he's just yeah. interested in getting Chalov. That's all it is. Um, yeah. What have you been up to this week? I noticed enough from our WhatsApp chats that you spent a small amount of time staring at the sun, confused as to what it was. Oh well, if you put it like, put it out like that, then yeah, it's going to sound crazy. But I mean, it, I think it was Saturday. Yeah, Saturday morning, um, game day, and. It was just too foggy, and I was just wondering if that's the sun or if that's the moon. It's just I woke up and I was tired, so yeah, I just had a bit of a meh in that situation. Are you okay now? You didn't damage your sight permanently? No, 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 I was okay. Um, I decided to buy a football manager, and then the sun decided to come out of the fog, and it nearly blinded me. I'm not sure two, those two things are connected either, but I haven't really it's got time to get into it. Yeah, it's not. I was just sitting on my bed, and yeah, that's what happened. Mm. Oh, before we move on as well, I want to mention something... Uh, Mr. Clark, I'm referring to you as Clarky in the show, Doc, so I might just keep that going. So, Clarky, um, you tried a solo schlup song. You didn't, you didn't really want it to be a solo schlup song, did you? But you sang the Jeff schlup song. I feel it was mainly to annoy me. It was in part to annoy you, um, but it was also because, you know, the great man himself was making a brief appearance and you know I think I feel vindicated by what happened later in the game um I think that you know the, the reality is that you know I'm sure that not many of the people around me were familiar with that song and you know that probably next time they'll join in once they know the words you feel that's yeah, yeah that, okay now they've learned the words and they thought what a yeah. great song it is not what a travesty it is they've okay can we hear can we hear the song <laughs> no and then um... you'll hear it at self-hurst <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The whole crowd will be singing it. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And you did your traditional Miss Wilfs goal, I did. didn't you? Yeah, as well, well, you know, was, um... I hadn't got a beer in my hand, so I had to go downstairs. I know. We started shaking after three <laughs> or four seconds without a beer, so um, I'm, I'm, yeah, got to, got to deal with that. <laughs> but anyway, so we've got a couple of WhatsApp clips coming up in the show. If you want to contribute with some voice clips yourself, you can chuck this number into your your contacts. It's o two o three five seven five. One two six six. Thank you to everyone who got in touch with that. Have a have a selection on today. 
Uh, if you're not on the socials and contacting us that way, you can email us directly. Um, it's hi at backofthenest.com. And of course, do give us uh, your ratings and reviews on iTunes to try and, and whatever podcast app that you're using, of course, and, uh, and and try and spread the word about the podcast. And we'll be hugely appreciative of that. We don't ask you for much, do we? Eh? Eh? And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, so we'll get into the talking about the game first, but obviously one of the offshoots of, of talking about the game is talking about Wilf. And I thought we'd start, and, and the reason I thought we'd start with talking about Wilf, and Mike mentioned it pre-show as well, was was his uh, post-match review. If you haven't seen it, it's on the official Palace app uh, in their video content, and it was um it was a sort of starkly honest interview from Wilf, and, and one I, I've enjoyed listening to, but you know that. The, the, the words he, he chose to use in the descriptions were um, sort of quite eye-opening, really. So I'll, I'll get him. I'll get back to that in 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 a bit more detail. I mean, Greg Jonah got in touch and said that Zaha's back uh, back in form and teams in December should be worried. And I think that's the overall headline that you know Wilf scoring goals and, and putting pressure on teams and and sort of you know looking back to his old self is just a huge plus point for us. Um, makes me slightly nervous about January, but um, yeah, we've got some. Um, He's an incredible weapon to have in your team uh, when he's on form. But basically, in the um, in the interview, he, he used the, the phrase "I'm just focusing myself" and elaborated on that by talking about the fact that he's he's had distractions, um, you know, getting wound up by referees, the opposition team, and he also mentioned <laughs> fans and his own team as well, with a bit of a smile on his face, um, and said that you know I think Mike, you've picked out the phrase he, he used, which was his season starts now. Yeah, oh, he said last Saturday, uh, which is interesting because, um, as we've alluded to on Twitter, um, probably man of the match last week and arguably, possibly man of the match this week. We'll go into that later. Um, so it shows that it's a mental thing. Um, but what really interested me from that interview um, was that he said um, that playing away at Burnley is much more difficult than it looks. And I know he's mentioned before um, when he's been particularly frustrated that he can't always work miracles um, and people just expect him to be amazing. Um, But it feels like he's just trying to point out now, um, okay, I'm going to be my own man. If it looks like I'm not doing enough, it's not because I'm not, I'm doing everything I can. So it's a, it's a bit like he's decided, okay, I'm not going to try and be this, world-beating amazing thing. I'm just going to be Wilf Saha. And that's very cool. Um, the other thing I would say is that um, I'd pointed out this interview 
pre-show um, for Hambo to say that it was in line one of the show documents. So um, that gives you an idea of the kind of prep we're talking about uh, for the pods here. <laughs> Absolutely right. And um, I think there's there's little doubt that he's in excellent form at the moment and having a, a really good impact. And two two goals in two games, and you, you, know, you hope he's going to continue in that vein and you know, really fire us back up the league. Um, you know, Chris and I um, witnessed some comments at the game prior to him scoring, and we'll get into those in just a minute. But um, Di, you want to jump in first? Yeah, you mentioned the two goals in two games. Um, before uh, his goals, um, I think he went on without scoring a goal in the last 13 games, and that's according to Opta Joe. So confidence is such a massive thing um, for players. I mean, you score one, and then you just want to go on and score another and another. And you could see it. I mean, he's he's he seems like he's a changed man over the last few games, whether that's his actions off the pitch and more of a mental thing. I'm not too sure, but he definitely does seem way more confident um, from, so, from these last few games than what I've seen so far this season. So that's a positive. And I mean, Will scoring goals is... It's good for everyone. It, it impacts... And we know that Will impacts the game more than just goals and assists. But if he wants that move on to the next level, unfortunately, just impacting the game without goals and assists will not do it. You need to have goals and assists. So that's good on his behalf because I know that he wants, from what we saw in the summer, that he wants a big move um, away to another club. So that's going to help him. And it's going to help us as well because, yes, he impacts the game um, by doing other things. But scoring goals and assists doesn't harm that in any kind of way. And he actually helps us. So I think... The confidence thing is massively key, and I'm pretty sure he's going to want to go into the Bournemouth game wanting to score another goal. So, since you bring it up, do you think that as much as him saying that you know he's focusing on his own game, limiting his distractions, all that kind of stuff, do you think perhaps the the upcoming window is another motivating factor for him? I'm not too sure. I think it's more about Wilf himself. Um, I mean, you look at his age. I mean, I don't think people really realize this, but he's approaching his thirties. I mean, he's 27 years old, so he's that quite approaching old. your thirties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three years away, and that is kind of crazy because I remember when Wilf was a little kid, basically, basically my age, and <laughs> he was. Um, <laughs> you said it. Yeah, yeah. I call myself a little kid now, <laughs> but yeah, I remember when he was a little kid. Um playing for Palace and now he's 27. So I feel like Wilf has realised that as well. And I think it's a hard thing um, because you're, you're, some people are just like that. Like you're just going to have people who get affected by other people's comments. And we've seen that with Wilf over the past over the past few years. I mean, he slowly has improved it, but it's always been in his game. And in all honesty, you look at yesterday's game with Phil Barsley, the old Wilf would have erupted when Phil Bosley went up to him. And the fact that he didn't, it, sh- it shows that he's actually trying to focus and improve that part of the game, which has been kind of holding him back. I mean, holding his game back as well. I don't think people realise how significant it is. There's times when fans boo Wilf, and yes, that motivates him, but there's times where players kick Wilf and fans are onto him and he's just not having a good game and it just absolutely destroys him, his game as well. So it's good that he's trying to control his emotions because it's been quite significant. I mean, for for a very long time in contributing to his play, so that's that's a positive um, for Wilf. No, I definitely agree, and, and yeah, some some good stuff in there. They are um, do remember sometimes that you are talking to three um, men who are approaching a different decade, um, some more rapidly than others. And I found out yesterday; I didn't really realise it, but Chris is slightly older than I am, and will be hitting forty sooner than me. I'm quite happy what? about that. 
At least he yeah, looks like Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that is that, that. That hurts. I mean, that really hurts. Oh. Is that make me the second youngest on the board? Yeah. Yay! Oh dear. I, yeah, I got. Um, I was in a queue uh, going into um, a bar last weekend, and I have to say, it really hurt when I was the only one in the group of people I was with who didn't get ID. I just when they waved me through, even though it was understandable, it still hurt. I mean, they were taking checking ID of you know, people. One of one of the guys with, with me was thirty six and still got ID'd. And weren't you also their yeah. boss? Yeah, some of them. Yeah, some of them were my staff. Yeah, yeah. You sound like you're going through midlife crisis on this pod. <laughs> you're all right. I'm, I'm heading. I'm heading that way. You, you set this off right. <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. Talk about Wilf getting. getting he's approaching his face. I'm not lying. He's twenty seven. So. Well, strictly speaking, you're approaching your thirties as well. But uh, well, I'm more approaching my twenties, mate. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just but eventually you'll get there. Well, yeah. possibly you're from Thornton Heath, you know. I think life expectancy is expectancy in oh, Thornton Heath wow. is about twenty six, isn't it? Oh, okay. Boom. I love the people of Thornton Heath, by the way, apart from Dion. Um, all right, okay, let's move on. Um, that to to the to the sort of bit I teased a little bit earlier on. So, Mr. Clark, you, know, you were in the same place as me in the crowd there, and we um, we both heard well, a few, we heard a few things throughout the course today from some fans in in the crowd that we didn't particularly like. There was a, a homophobic comment that wasn't great, wasn't it? And um, I mean, no no comments of, of that ilk are great, but it was just a little bit of ignorance there. Um, basically, someone had was complaining about a challenge, and he'd suggested it was. You know, due to their sexuality, which was um, an interesting leap there. So I didn't like that. And there was a few really negative things in the crowd as well. Um, but in particular, we had some comments about Wilf. And it was the usual stuff where, and, and this is where perhaps, you know, fans have, some fans have turned them a bit and, and in a really stupid way because you heard the same old rubbish, you know, oh, you know, he doesn't care, look at him. Um, and they, they seem to get angry with him when he sort of runs into a cul-de-sac, takes on three or four players. But then that expectation every time he gets the ball is for him to take on all those players. And when he plays a simple pass, people get angry as well. Do you think there's a danger that people just don't really have any kind of, well, not, I'm saying people, a, a group of people, a selection of fans don't really have any kind of perspective with Wilf now. And it's been really affected by um, what, what happened in the summer. I think absolutely. And I mean, there were people who, I mean, you've summed it up really, to be honest. Like, there's not much I can add because the reality was that, you know, they, they were waiting for him to make a mistake and then saying something negative about it. And, you know, I, I didn't hear them making quite the same positive whoops um, when he did all the good stuff that he did during the game. And, and I think it, on balance, it was absolutely a very strong performance. I didn't even see negatives particularly at the moments when they were using the inappropriate language and or um, just downright negative comments. I thought he had a good game and it was... Just very frustrating, disappointing, but it's become a bit of a pattern, actually. You know, you, you do hear this home and away. There's a bit of frustration about Wilf, and it's it's unmerited, in my opinion. You know, they're even at the times where you know, I mean, I, I can think back to a recent home game where he did land on the ground after a heavy challenge and didn't immediately get up and run back. You know, he's just taken quite a heavy kick, and you know, there was no reason to run back either. So, yeah, I'm frustrated by the negativity and I hope people will put it in perspective, as you say, Chris. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you articulated it pretty well there. I think hopefully, you know, going back to the whole assists and goals thing, you know, it's not just 
how other people judge Wilf. It's, it's how our own crowd will, will judge him to a degree as well. And obviously people will hopefully put those things that, that are affecting them in a negative way into the back of their minds if he continues actively contributing in that way as well but such an important player for us it just seems it just, I just find it really really weird when people get negative about him you know you can totally understand if he's having a bad game to a point where people get a little bit frustrated but you know that when when you're angry because someone isn't conforming to expectations that don't really make sense you know you can't yeah I don't know I don't know. I'll talk myself in circles if I'm not careful um, another, uh, we got a comment in from uh, Rob Wynn um, on our WhatsApp line. Uh, and this was a, a half time clip from R- Rob um, and it included some comments about Wilf, which is what I'm particularly interested in. So let's hear from Rob now. Hello, it is Rob Wynn here. I am watching the game. It's half time. Wilf has come good. Uh, two goals in two games. And I'm delighted. And I think we deserve to be winning. We've been playing some slick stuff. So in particular, the, the phrase "come" is the Wilf's "come good." There was the one I was interested in, and obviously that, you know, I guess that that sort of emphasises that perception of Wilf that he has he has stepped up his form, and there's no doubt about that. But you know, for me, he was he was always good. But you know, to take us into the the, the match review itself, you know, Rob was talking about obviously mentioned Cahill there, and obviously Cahill actually has a knee injury, um, may well be back for potentially back for Bournemouth, but probably more likely um, for the for the weekend, but. He's um he's absolutely right in the fact that we were playing some slick football and and that's that's pretty much where I'll start with the review. Obviously, lineup wise, Dan came in, which I guess that's probably our, our first port of call. It's seeing that um that it was Dan selected and not Sacco, and um, I have to say I was a bit surprised about that, Mike. Uh I I, I mean I I avoided work um, and watched the under twenty threes game on on Monday, and I wasn't convinced Sacco was one hundred percent fit. Um, what I was going to bring up there um, was that I think one of the main things that made Wilf's performance look different, uh, they showed it on match of the day, um, 41% of our uh, attacking play came down the left-hand side. It's because he had some support. I mean, for, for a while we had no Angels, um, but we also had a, a pretty vintage PVA game um, against Burnley. And... Just Wilf can't do it himself. People just assume he can just sort of do everything himself. Um, he actually had some people backing him up, and that made a massive difference yesterday. No, you're absolutely right. It did, and it and it leads me into something that Roy talked about in the post match. So he was, you know, it was some very good questions um, in in his general direction, and he was talking about you know, how they prepared for Burnley and he was giving a lot of praise to the video analysts in, in terms of how they were able to educate the team in how Burnley attack. And there was a lot of mention of long balls into the box, which, you know, let's face it, that when you've got two strikers of the ilk of Barnes and Wood, that's how you build your attacks. And we were very, very adept in dealing with that, apart from the moment where where Dan's injury got the better of him and, um, and Wood got in, which we'll talk about in a bit. But... Um, one of the things he did make a point of saying was that they actually put did a session out on the training ground where they were practicing overloading the attack from midfield. You know, and we, you know, Chris, you and I were talking about this—the fact that very early on we were almost looking at Coyote playing up top alongside Ayu at times. He was that far forward, and you could see from the the average positions in the game that uh, you know Luca pushed out left more often than not, and at, that was that an, an extra body there as well as doing the screening job. And it was MacArthur who sort of averaged out much more central. 
Um, but but Coyote was was really sort of pushed up the pitch. Um, so very very impressive stuff, I have to say. Um, but yeah, the, the midfield pressing was was inevident, and, and as I said, Chris, it was Coyote who was doing the, a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I player watched Coyote early on, um, and it was quite plain he was playing almost as a target man, and certainly as a more of a number ten figure. You know, drifting out particularly onto the right hand side, attacking and just giving an option to Andros and others in a way that we haven't really seen from him. You know, we've tended to view him as one of a number. I mean, back in the day, we used to talk about McJedley. And, you know, we, we've kind of reached the stage where there, there was, there's been a similar kind of view that we've got all these defensive midfielders and that that's all they are. But actually, you know, there clearly was a lot more attacking intent in a number of our defensive midfielders, Kuyate being one, and later on Schlupp as well, which we've seen of late. So, yeah, you can see there's clearly more intent, more attack and coordination. And, yeah, it was, it was a really satisfactory performance for that reason. Yeah, I've got the the, the right <laughs> formation in front of me now. So it was Lucas screening. It was MacArthur pushing up on the left. Apologies for that. But yeah, absolutely right. And you can see it. I mean, the the, the proximity of Coyote to Townsend was was noticeable, as well as his proximity to Ayu. And it was just much better spread. And I think perhaps more relevant as well is just that you know Wilf is very much left sided now. There's not too much of him drifting across. There wasn't much in the way of him swapping with Townsend. But he's getting, he's actually hugging that line now. And, you know, as we'll talk about in the goals, that's where our, our first goal came from. Dear. But I feel like Burnley done a pretty good job in terms of cutting out the passing lanes because there were times, especially in the first half, where Scott Dan will have the ball, James Tompkins will have the ball. And they done a brilliant job because they knew that we was trying to pass a Wilfred Zaha and they'll make sure that they'll surround guys so the passes can't go through. And at times in the first half, I felt like we were hoofing the ball a bit too much for my liking, especially the fact that we don't have Benteke up there. So, I mean, it was, it was such a weird game because it didn't feel like Burnley were playing that great, but I honestly don't think that we played that great as well. It's more of, not boring, but it wasn't the most exciting game um, overall. I mean, in the second half, we did improve, but in the first half, there were times where Burnley did have their chances. I know we'll talk about it in a bit. And on their day, they could have finished them off. So it was it was such a weird game in that perspective, but hats off, you know, hats off to Burnley. We, we've talked about their long balls and whatever, but they did manage to um, pressure us just like uh, we tried to pressure them. And to back up DR's comment, um, 30% of the game was played in our, our third and only 20% was played in their third, uh, final third. So, um, you know, they had, they had their chances and if, if Ashley Barnes hadn't cocked up early on and, and managed to have a really heavy touch and, and ruin his chance, um, you know, it could have been a different story. Um, and usually with Ashley Barnes, it is as well. Mm, well, it's interesting. I, you know, Barnes, which, you know, we talk about Wilf being affected by how the opposition treat him. I noticed Terence picked up on this as well when he was um, tweeting off the Red and Blue Army account. It was noticeable that Barnes was wound up. In fact, at one point, I think Luca had got really close to him. And he basically threw himself to the ground and then just sort of ran around with his arms out. And it was just, it was laughable because there, was, there wasn't anything there. There wasn't anything in it in terms of a foul. But he just, he, he just let it get to him. And he was very ineffective throughout the game. And, and obviously the two, the two, him and Wood linking up, it's exceptionally dangerous, but they didn't really do it because, you know, I think the form of one seems to affect the other. Um, and obviously, would have that terrible miss late on um, in the second half as well. I mean, two terrible misses from Woods. Um, 
really they could have had three between them. Um, and Watford were on the end last week of um, the 3-0 win where, where um, basically Burnley just put their chances away. Uh, but what I wanted to bring up, Ashley Barnes, it's about time he just shaves the rest of the top of his hair off. Um, I think it's got to the point now, <laughs> you know, there's only about one strand left for every 10 there were when he was 18. So I think he needs to let it go. Yeah, he's going for the Murray, isn't he? That's what he's doing, you know. Just without the class, spread yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, without the class, spread it as much as possible. You know, you know, we've, you know, those of us on on the on the pod, you know, I'm I'm the one who is fully challenged, and um, you know, at some point you do have to just accept it, <laughs> or um, or maybe get a hair transplant. Do you, Dr, do you think I'd look good with a hair transplant? Yeah, mate, come Turkey, we've got some great deals for you. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some pretty bad horror stories from that, really. But um, oh, you know, is it? I mean, everyone wants to go to Turkey for a hair transplant. That's what I thought. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard they do. They do. They do. You know, do it cheap as well. But I just got this suspicion that they'll shave a cat and glue it on my head. Oh, you're just racist. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do you think that? You think we're not qualified enough? No, it's not about it being Turkey. It's about value for money, isn't it? If you get, you know, if you if you pay the money, you get a good service. If you if it's if it's too cheap and it looks too good to be true, it's probably a shaved cat. All right, cool. As the old saying goes. So, um, all right, fair enough. But all right, if if you can hook me up, mate, if we've, uh, yeah, I'll see what I can I'll, do. Um, we'll get you some new new hair for an away yeah, trip. Blonde? Way. I think I got. Can I can I be blonde? Do you think? Um, yeah, go blonde. Do do a wheel fake. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy. Imagining myself with Will's hair. Yeah. Um, anyway, whilst I'm thinking about that, let's um, let's hear from Ebo, who left us uh, his match review. Yeah, hi, back at the nest. It's Ebo. Um, just with my thoughts on the match. Um, I did speak to you after the Liverpool game, but uh, I think you ran out of space to put some comments. But um, yeah, it was good coming off off of that result, the, the the loss to Liverpool, but the really positive performance. Good to get an away win under our belts, especially against a team that. Uh, doing pretty well at the moment um, with their results and you know always a bit of a tough nut to crack um, although we have done well up there in recent years um, I think Andros coming back in and really you know getting back into the starting lineup has, has really um, paid off um, we look a lot more threatening going forwards now um, and like I said um, after the last game when uh, Coyote and uh, Maka started pushing forward a bit more, and we we do look a lot more of a threat going forward, which is really positive. Um, great for the last two games to see Wilf back on form, you know, on, on real form. Um, I don't know, maybe you know he's not been playing up to his own high standards. Possibly, you know, still still with thoughts of the summer transfer saga in his head. But the last two games, I think he's looked awesome. Um, you know, all our all our play goes through him again, and when we can't get over that way, Andros is always there. It's, it, we just look a lot better, a lot more of an attacking threat, which is which is really good news because that's been, I think, everyone's biggest bugbear in the you know towards through the start of this season. Really, is that although results have been going our way, we we haven't really looked much of an attacking threat. Um, other than that, I think yeah. Bit of a shame at the back there with Dan getting injured. Obviously, um, Kay Hill's out. Obviously, Wardy's out for a, a while here. He's out until, until the turn of the new year. You know, we're starting to look a bit threadbare at the back when we looked like we had lots of uh, options there at one point, other than, obviously, in Wardy's position. Um, I don't know how long Kay Hill's out for, so I'm hoping he, he's going to be 
you know, fighting back to fitness in the next week or two. Um, cause at the moment, all we've got is, uh, obviously Mama and, um, Tonks, but they, you know, they're not a bad option to have, are they? I mean, uh, I mean, Cahill's forced his way in there now and given us a bit of a problem in terms of selection, but, but last season, Mama and, uh, Tonks were, were superb anyway. So I've got no worries there. It's just more in the, uh, the Joel Ward area, you know, since we haven't got AWB anymore. I mean, looking a bit threadbare there, but Kelly's doing a good job. Um, you know, it doesn't, doesn't look too out of place there, but it's not his preferred position, obviously. Gator, again, some fantastic saves there that kept us in the game, especially towards the end when they really piled the pressure on. Made a couple of really fantastic saves. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we look, we're starting to look really good and hopefully we can keep pushing, um, see what happens with the results today. Don't know. I mean, being 10th for the moment is quite good. I can see us dropping down a couple of spaces today, depending on results. But, you know, coming into Christmas or into December, rather, with, with 18 points, and I don't think we've ever had 20-odd points going into, you know, into the Christmas New Year games. So that's something we've really got to go for. It'd be lovely to be sort of in the mid-20s at that point and, you know, well on our way to safety. And, you know, hopefully then... We can really push on, and, and and you know, talk of some signings coming in in the in, in the in the January window. Hopeful we can get them in done quite early. Um, give us a bit more goal threat. You know, an actual goal scorer would be would be a fantastic addition, and obviously a bit of cover there with uh, you know uh, right back. We're desperate for that, I think. Anyway, yeah, overall really happy with the result. Can't wait till uh, Tuesday see what happens against Bournemouth. Hopefully, we can carry on. Although they did look a bit good after they went a few goals down at Spurs, they started playing with a bit more freedom and going for it. So, I don't know, always an interesting game, the Bournemouth one. So, let's see how it goes. Anyway, nice to speak to you all. Come on, you Eagles. Great positive stuff there from Evo. Nice to, to hear him in a good frame of mind and I think echoed very much on the panel. A few things in there which we'll come to anyway as a matter of course. Um, you know, Particularly, we've talked about the, the threat of going forward um, as a result of the midfield pushing up already. Um, we'll definitely start talking about the centre-backs and Kelly's performance. I wanted to pick one thing out of that for discussion with the with the group, though, and that's Ibo um, mentioning Andros, who was obviously excellent against Liverpool. You know, and I, But I've seen sort of mixed opinions of his of his game um, against Burnley and obviously was substituted for, for Jeff Schlupp um, into the second half there. So, uh, DR, just jump in on that, please. Yeah, I think he had a quiet game, you know, honestly. Um, it might be it might be just me, but I just thought that he didn't really have much of an impact after a very good Liverpool game. It might have just been his off day. But it was the right decision to sub him off um, at the time for Jeffrey Schlupp. And I know we'll talk about Jeffrey Schlupp's goal in a second, but what's up with our bench player just coming on and just, having a massive boost. You saw it with Andros at the start of the season. Him coming off the bench impacted us a lot. Uh, ben Teke now, he seems like he's uh, helping us. And also, Jeffrey Schlupp now. I mean, it seems like if you just put a player on the bench, they just get an automatic boost and just come back a different player. So, I think Jeffrey Schlupp came on and he made an immediate impact. Apart from the goal as well, I mean, he was just involved there about and he was more useful than Andros Townsend. But with Andros's thing, I wouldn't look too much into it because... I just feel like it's more of an off day um, rather than him just being out of form. Hmm. I mean, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't say it was, I suppose really it's more that he, he, I just suppose he didn't seem as much with the ball as Zaha. And obviously when Zaha's on form and we're sort of focusing down that side, he would, you know, in terms of his 
visible impact on the game, it will suffer a little bit. He did um, put a, a couple of decent crosses in, and was you know he was always and his movement I think was was very important to the game. Um, you know, just making sure that he was occupying the defence, and and he wasn't you know hugging the line. He was obviously going inside quite a lot. Um, and he's, you know, he's he's taking players on as well at the moment since he's got back in the side, and that's what I really like to see. So, I think you know, an on-form Andros on one side and an on-form Zaha on the other makes us a very, very dangerous team, and we're, we're certainly nearer to the to that than we were now with with their le- their level of form. But as you say, Dior, it was a good ch- good time for him to be substituted to get some fresh legs on. But also, as I've talked about a number of times, if you chuck Jeff Schlupp on in that position where you're not relying on him getting back as his primary job. You're really relying on him to contribute in an attacking sense. It seems to kind of free him up that little bit and he gets to think more about getting a strike away. And, you know, um, Roy talked after the game about him and said that he's convinced that, that there's a lot of goals in him because of just how well he shoots with both feet and, and the fact that he's pretty good in the air as well, which we don't see too often. So uh, interesting times, you know, potentially there's a hint that he might find himself back in the team there, but um, it's good to have players pressuring each other for their place. Um, and that, that's for sure. Well, here's something controversial. I think we've had a comment from him already, but um, I've just seen from the last few minutes, uh, Greg Jonah has asked, could Jeff Slup be the key to a top 10 finish? I'll, I'll leave that with you guys. <laughs> I mean, um, his impact off the bench got- could be useful, but if we're talking about starting him again, oh, I just I, I just don't want to start. I just don't want to start this conversation. I mean, yeah, he had a good game coming off the bench, but it's like every time someone has a good game coming off the bench, it doesn't mean they automatically should start. But he could be a very useful player because what happens with Jeff Schlupp is that he has the pace. So when you bring him on, bring him on in the second half where the opposition players are tiring, and he could use that pace to his advantage and just brush go and buy players. So I think he's more of an impact player rather than a starter. But yeah, if it helps us off the bench, then why not? Well, you can there, Kakalaki is your is your man a, a super sub rather than a starter? Well, he can definitely do the job um, as a as a super sub. I think it depends on how you're using him. And if you're using him for that kind of defensive role, you know, he's going to have to up his work rate. We've talked about this before. Um, And I think there was evidence of him having done that in this game. He needs to now do that on a more regular basis if he's given a start. But I think he's clearly evidenced in the the, the last few positive performances that he has had, he's actually been better as an attacking influence. And therefore, yes, as a as a late addition, when other teams are slowing down, to bring someone on with his pace, he's blistering. And yeah, I think as an impact player, he definitely has a place, but also sometimes as a starter in a different role. So remember when Bakary Saka would just come on and be an absolute shithouse unit, um, and that was his skill. I mean, Schlupp, he's got pace, he can definitely finish, obviously, he used to be a striker, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you talked about. Um, so... He's definitely got his his place, but let's put in perspective. If he hadn't have scored that goal, and it did involve Ben Mee making a ridiculous mistake, and then Pope being crap for the second time in the game, um, I just I wonder if we'd be talking about him in the same way. Um, I, I, for me, he is a sub, um, but well, unless PVA gets injured, um, you know, it's a decent strike, but in a lot of situations, it wouldn't have gone in. So I'm, I, I feel like we're giving him a little bit more credit. Oh, it's a great team performance, and I think Schlupp only played quite a small role in that. I think to be to be really accurate about that, you're absolutely right that it was a team performance, and you know Schlupp's role was 
towards the end of the game. Um, he capped off a very positive team performance. I do think it's important, though, to say the way that he controlled that ball with one touch and then took a very fast, very hard left foot shot. Yeah, it was near post and the keeper could have done better, but it's a very well-taken goal and it's important to give credit where it's due. Yeah, you know that's probably one of only two or three things that he did, but he wasn't on the pitch very long. Um, it was a very good sub-performance, though. So it's also interesting. We got a message in from Charles Meyer on that who said that... Um... Schlupp much looked more energetic, energetic and involved coming off the bench. Obviously scored the goal, but won a couple of challenges and was getting quite involved. Seemed to be running about a bit more as well. So I think that kind of emphasises the point that, you know, he he's definitely striking a chord with people as an impact player. Um, and I think, you know, what we're, we're really all getting to is the fact that translating the, the impact you can have on a game as a sub when people are tiring and when you need to change things up maybe and just, just get fresh ideas on the pitch versus when you start a game, particularly the way, you know, we do tend to start games quite slow. And sometimes it's hard for that type of player to, to get involved in the game um, in, a, in a way that they do when they do come off the bench. And I think that's always the, the sort of dichotomy that you have of, you know, a player having an impact off the game, but not necessarily having the same impact starting. And that's what we've got to juggle with, really. That does just bring me to something that we discussed in the car on the way back, Chris, which is, you know, it, it does really feel, like sometimes there's someone at the club, um, possibly even Roy himself, who's listening to this pod and to the critiques that you and I and others make of the team performances and then actually <laughs> responding and making those changes because, you know, I, I definitely remember where I've been, um, you know, vehemently loyal to um, Comrade Jeff on a number of occasions. Others have been um, highly critical, particularly of his lack of work rate and chasing back and things like that. And clearly, you know, as, as Charles has said in his tweet, um, that has been addressed in this game. And there have been other instances where that's happened before. So it, it's, it's quite interesting. Hello, Roy, or whoever it is at the club who's listening. Um, we're pleased that you take our feedback on board sometimes. <laughs> Listen, mate, some of those things we talked about were just about my heavy paranoia. <laughs> so, so, you know, didn't necessarily want to share that on the podcast. But um, no, Edit it's point. funny. I, you know, let's just say that, now let's just say that probably we talk about the same things that a lot of people talk about, and it, you know, and that we talk about them for a reason, and that it was natural for there to be some coincidences that in the press conferences it refers to some of the things we talked about. I'm sure there's nothing in it. I mean, you know, why would Roy want to listen to us? He knows, he knows everything. He's probably having Roy Sinner right now. Ian is, yeah. I don't think he listens to podcasts. He probably watches. What well, do Roy does on a Sunday? I think you're probably right. Roast dinner whilst listening to the podcast. Do you think he watches the EastEnders? No. Is it no. on on a Sunday? <laughs> There's an omnibus, or at least there used to be when I watched it 10 years ago. Hmm. Um, you know. Oh, yeah. I wonder what he does now. Well, um, those listening in, uh, get get in touch with us on the socials or email hi at back of the nest com and let us know what you think Roy does yeah. on a Sunday when we're not playing. Oh, he's obviously. probably he's probably at like the evening church, evening so. You reckon he's a, a church right going, man? It's too. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, th- okay. I think he's got a decent voice in him. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Well, um, I'd like to hear from the listeners on that as well, and, um, and then I guess we'll find out. And Roy, if you are listening, um, let us know in your next press conference what you get up to in your, in your spare time. Um, right, so I think uh, it's definitely time for the next clip, and it's it's Robwin and it's his uh, full-time summary and see if there's anything that Rob's got for us that we haven't quite picked up on yet. It's over. 
is Rob Wynn here again. And 2 0. What a result. Schlupp. Schluppy. He is excellent player. All you Schlupp haters out there. He is solid. He is an attacking midfielder. And Roy brought him on because he wants to get that second goal. And it came, and I'm so, so chuffed for the ball. I think we played brilliantly, didn't we, today? Some really, really excellent passing around and just they looked solid. So many players, like I mentioned, I would give, uh, it's got to be Wolf for man of the match for me. But everyone played brilliantly. Dan played well. It's a shame that he got injured. But I don't think it's anything serious. And it's great to bring in, uh, uh, bring in Sacco from the bench. That's great. We've got brilliant, brilliant players on the bench. I know he's obviously coming back from an injury. But we've got solid depth in our team. Uh, quality throughout. So it's really exciting. Townsend played brilliantly as well. I, I don't know. He, he was a bit disappointed to be taken off. But I don't know. He didn't look dangerous. And I kind of wanted to get Ben Tech on earlier. I don't know. I'm, I'm, when he came on for the corner again, you're hoping he gets that, that goal, that third goal. But to be fair, to beat Burnley at Burnley, and they've won their last two games 3-0, I mean, that's really impressive. So... Europa, Europa League, isn't it? It's got to be. Um, you know, if we, we're playing Bournemouth on Tuesday, six points out of two. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, really chuffed and well played, boys. Great to hear from Rob there. And the Europa League it is. Um, <laughs> I do want to pick out what he's talked about there. And obviously, he's touching on a couple of subjects we've just been discussing. But I suppose that's probably the, 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 the takeaway that I had. And weirdly, looking back at the highlights after after getting home, and, and looking at some of the chances that Burnley had, it, it's weird. I, f- I felt looking at those chances, I perhaps should have been a bit more worried than I was. But I don't really think, watching the game, I was ever really that concerned. Once we went ahead, it just I just felt, other than the moment when the Burnley fans thought they'd scored when the ball was nowhere near sort of crossing the line, um, I didn't have any worries at all about us as, about us sort of conceding a goal. And I think. You know, the the whole looking solid thing is it's where we, we've been talking about the fact that people are making impacts off the bench. It's starting to look like, other than the, the obvious areas where we're short up front and in the fullback areas, we're starting, we've got options everywhere. You know, and going back to Roy's post-match comments, he talked about the fact that there are players on the bench who, who really almost deserve to be playing sort of week in, week out, and that they've got to wait for their opportunities because the, the rest of the team are doing well. And he mentioned James McCarthy as one who at some point is going to get an opportunity, but is essentially waiting for someone to either play badly or to to get injured. Um, but apparently he's he's absolutely on fire in training. So, you know, it's good to hear not only the fans being positive about that, but obviously, you know, Roy's post-match press conference was extremely positive on, on that side of things as well. So definitely seems to be a big upturn in, in sort of attitude and form. Can we quickly talk about Camarasa versus Maya? I've been keeping an eye out on this. Um, I'm creating my own little game. It's called the Battle of the Bench. And this week, Camarasa got one back. It's one all since Roy has said that both of them are uh, basically trying to battle out spaces on a bench. And I'm excited. I don't know where this will end up, but I can see <laughs> Camarasa. I know. I can see Maya winning this, but it's going to be a tight contest come end of the season. Yeah, um, well, keep us updated on the Battle of the Bench. I, I'm genuinely wondering if, uh, particularly on Camarasa, in terms of the loan being cancelled, um, as has been rumoured, but also Max, you know, Max not being in the matchday squad as well um, on a couple of occasions lately. 
you know, are we perhaps looking at um, potential outs in January if, they, if they're not going to be used, particularly when you've got Roy speaking openly about how, you know, McCarthy's next in line in the central positions? When did we get to a stage when we supported a club where we're talking about deciding who's going to be on the bench more between <laughs> a player from Real Betis and one that's on 80 grand a week? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, things things have changed, haven't they? <laughs> let's, let's face it. It's um, yeah, it's it's, it's nice to have that perspective. Yeah, I don't, know if, I guess, a, but... don't know if it's a good thing. To... <laughs> uh, no, well, yeah. mate, yeah, that part, but it's but fun. At least, like when I look at the lineup now, it's I know who's going to really start. It's it's quite obvious, but now it's more who's going to be on the bench. So it makes it more interesting. But in terms of Gyro's making a few a few appearances lately, you're going to get him in on the game. Oh, that uh, nah, he don't count. He he just it's not fun. I mean, Camaras on reverse Maya is more fun because they're similar type of players. But in terms of Maya, I think we do really need to consider looking at it in January. I mean, if he's not going to get any game time, should he should we keep him? Um, as Mike said, he's he's on what eighty thousand pound a week. That's that is a lot of money. It doesn't seem like it, but we could even we could spend that on maybe two decent players, um, spread it out. But yeah, I think that's one area that we need to look at because there's no point of having a player who can't even make the bench on the team and they're earning that much. So I think it's unfortunate because both Cameras and Maya, we well Maya will see more of, but both of them are decent players and maybe under different manager and under different type of football they would have been better more used but the fact that they're not we seriously need to I think consider their features at the club just want to go back to Rudeville quickly um, from the under 23 games against against Millwall obviously it was, it was 4-2 um, Millwall were lucky to, to get that to be honest it should have been about 5-0 Rudeville um, it was interesting that he was playing I, I, I sort of struggled to see why other than just literally get the man to kick a football um, but he was um, noticeably that Millwall were putting in quite a few balls um, from, from the flanks and he ducked under a couple. Um, and if anything struck me as the most, the, the antithesis of what Hodgson would want to see um, on a on a replay reel, it would be that. Um, so it kind of made me think, well, hold on. If, if Riedeveld's sort of acting that way and he's he's playing like he was, you know, back when he was playing in Holland... It's not that surprising that Hodgson's decided to just cut him off, um, and it, you know we all know that that if that's that's the kind of player you are, you're not going to get a sniff from him. So um, after that, I, I felt I think his time's probably up. No, absolutely right, and obviously we've tried to move him on a couple of times, and he's he's not really gone for the moves. Once Swansea in particular a year or so ago, um, but you know making the bench, I guess that's possibly related to. You know the the fact that he can play, well, he can play left back, and I dare say you could probably fill in at right back, and maybe that's why he's getting in on the bench. It's a potential emergency fullback, I guess. Um, but we'll see. Riedewell's that man in a relationship who doesn't leave, or the girl or the man in a relationship who doesn't leave the other person because they have money. I mean, it's such a toxic relationship. But I understand him. You have to go get the money, sir. Fair enough. Um, okay. Well. We'll just leave that where it is. Um, so a couple of other bits before we move on and, and start wrapping this up. So obviously we've talked about Vicente Guaita, um, some fantastic saves. Uh, what really sort of strikes me 
with him as, as goalkeeper. And, and there's a lot of people saying some very, very positive things about him, you know, how confident they are with him in goal and in particular, you know, comparing him to other goalkeepers. But, you know, what I really notice about him is just, and I talked about it when he first signed for us, but, you know, again, it was just really noticeable yesterday and even watching the highlights back. His positioning is absolutely superb. Quite often, you know, you're thinking that someone's hit the ball right at him, but it's it's a knack to get yourself in precisely the right position uh, um, all the time. And I think what contributes to that is just his, you know, what the, the sort of pose he adopts when the ball's within the vicinity that it might be a shot away. You know, he sort of almost crouches down that little bit low. He's right on his toes all the time. He's never committing one side or the other until the right moment. And it gives him that chance to react so quickly when the shot comes in. Um, but just invariably, he's in absolutely the right spot every time. He's a, he's a real class act. And I dare, as I said last week, I dare say he was a little bit disappointed with not being able to keep out Mane's shot. But mistakes are few and far between. Um, his command of the area, his communication with the defence gets better and better. He's, he's a real asset to the team. And the saves yesterday were just phenomenal, particularly the, the one from the header towards the end. You know that goes in. There's a there's a pro, you know we get a problem because they're at home. The crowd will be up, and you get that concern, particularly when you've not been winning for for a few games as we hadn't because of the difficult run we've been on. Um, you know the impact of that save was absolutely massive. You have to give credit when it's true. I mean, we, including me, um, I've criticised certain transfers, but getting Gaeta on a free was a great find. I mean, um, I say free in quotation mark when technically it doesn't work like that, but he's been so instrumental um, to our success. And I mean this, he has literally saved us points. And I don't think we would be in this position, not that we're in a great position right now, like we could do even better, but I don't think we would even be in this position if he wasn't in the side. Um, I mean... He's such a brilliant goalkeeper. And as you said, his reactions, just everything. And the fact that he can't even communicate properly because of the language barrier and how he doesn't know English fully yet. And he's yet still got the respect of all the other players and he's still playing this good. It's quite remarkable, to be fair. But as I've said, Dougie and whoever whoever's involved in this transfer, credit to you. Um, brilliant, brilliant find. Absolutely right. Uh, we've got a message in from Christian, uh, Christian Eagle on Twitter, uh, talking about centre-back partnerships and not being able to argue with a clean sheet. Obviously, as we mentioned earlier, Dan started. Um, seems that the injury isn't too bad, although obviously they'll need to check it out. Um, but it was a knock on his ankle from a challenge rather than anything sort of dramatic. Um, I think the fear was at first it might be a hamstring or something like that. And I was really surprised when he stayed on the pitch. Probably stayed on a little bit too long, if we're honest. Um, but having Sacco come in and replace him, and I thought Sacco was excellent when he came on, particularly with his passing. I know, you know, Chris and I were sort of one of the first passes he made. We kind of just sort of like a sharp intake of breath, intake of breath when he made it. It was a great pass out of the back, but he just takes those little those risky passes that perhaps other centre backs don't take on. But looked excellent and, and very very solid. Yeah, it's all about the telegraphed passes that he still manages to pull off. Um, no, what, what I was going to say was. Um, so far this season, when Tompkins and Sacco have been involved, um, by, I, I don't know if it's just coincidence, but uh, our results haven't been good. So it was great to see a clean sheet. Um, and I think it proves that, uh, you know, it's, it's been more just coincidence that when they've been involved, it's been an issue. Or 
as we've discussed before, it's the fact that maybe they're a bit too alpha to deal with working with Cahill. Um, so it proves that we've got proper strength in depth. Absolutely right. And, um, you know, it was Chris, you, you said to me at the time when we were looking at Dan going off, you, you know, and I was sort of shaking my head and you pointed out that obviously, you know, Tompkins and Sacco were uh, an absolutely unstoppable centre-back partnership for so long. And it just gives us that added confidence. Yeah, I mean that they were they were so good last season. You know, I mean there was a whole run, wasn't there, where you know if if they didn't start together, then we we didn't win, and you know we did win every game they played together. So you know, we, I was very very confident. Apart from as we've already said, the inherent element of Sacco's game that he takes those risks. Yeah, for sure. What did you think, uh, Chris, about Kelly at right back? I mean, it was an almost it was an unspectacular display, but um, personally, I was really encouraged about how he, you know, he got forward pretty well. You look at the average positions again, and yes, he wasn't as advanced as uh, PVA on the other side, but you know, he got up and down that pitch. His passing's pretty good, and you know, it's great credit to him adjusting for the fact he's not played at right back properly for for quite some time. Well, he's a, he's a very, very solid player and, and has been for a long time and a utility player and a, a, a victim in a way because he's always wanted to be a centre-back for Palace and has made no secret of that since he signed in the Pulis days. And, yeah, but he's he's been a victim of his own success in that he is such a reliable utility player. He can play left-back, he can play centre-back, he can play defensive midfield even. And, you know, we've now seen him at right-back again. He he was absolutely solid, reliable. You knew that he wasn't going to make a silly mistake. He might get turned and outpaced because he's not the fastest of defenders that we've got. But you know he's got an eye for a solid, reliable pass, and you know it was it was another reliable performance. And I think we're going to see a few more of those over the next few weeks from him because we've not got Joel Ward back for a while, and we haven't got any other options. So he's he's got to stay fit. I think in terms of his game, yeah, he played brilliantly. But I feel like games against Burnley sort of favour him due to how Burnley play and how they do long balls and lift the balls up. It's going to be interesting to see how he actually performs against Bournemouth who play a different, completely different style of football to what we see at Burnley. But, I mean, he was good defending, but I was surprised at what he could do going forward. I mean, he put two crosses in the box. Um, he had a couple of long balls. And, yeah, I mean, he was he was very good. But as I said, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he performs against the likes of Bournemouth, who play a different kind of football. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we can't do much, can we? Uh, we haven't got any other options. So we're in this position, unfortunately. No, absolutely right. That's, that's, you know, there's the point. There's, there's not really any other options there. But I think, you know, you make a very, very good point as well, DR. When you've got playing against teams where fullbacks are overlapping and there's, there's proper pace out there. Um, although McNeil um, is a fairly sort of pacey player you know, and, and played very, very well against us, you know, obviously you're not, they're not that type of team that are going to see the, the fullbacks getting forward that much really, particularly when um, they've got Wood and um, and Barnes up top. But um, but we'll see. Oh, uh, they've got Wood. Yeah. I was waiting to see if someone was going to say that. <laughs> oh, it wasn't even deliberate, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Um, anyway, let's have a quick round the round the table man of the match. Um, let's start. Well, Mike, you've pretty much said Zaha already. Uh, I would go with Zaha. When everyone said theirs, I'll tell you what the uh, man of the match poll on Twitter went like. All right, Dio, what, what you got? Uh, I'll go with Tompkins just to be different, and yeah, I feel like he had a, he had a good game, um, and 
Yeah, good on him. <laughs> <laughs> strong, strong. Yeah, player. Chris, what have you got? Well, I really want to say schlup, but I'm, I'm not going to say that. That's silly. Uh, Guaita for me. There you go. I think you've um, you, you mentioned the, the the better performers on the day. Although I thought everyone had a good game, but you know it was Will for me. I just thought he was outstanding, and everything he did, um, decision making was excellent. And in particular, there was one cross on the run played with his left foot that um, just evaded uh, Jordan Ayew. Where there was a touch in front of him uh, from Ben Mee, I think. Um, but I just I love seeing crosses like that, just just whipped in on the run without without waiting. It's it's so dangerous, and even when you have only a few people in the box, you you know you can get an own goal out of that or nothing. So love love to see that from Wilf. He was just absolutely on fire. So man of the match for me. Yeah, and I mean the fact that attacking is a more difficult skill than defending. Uh, as much as they were both uh, incredible, Guaita and and Zahar, it was close, and that was um, represented in the man of the match poll. So I put one up after the game. I gave the options of Guaita, PVA and Josson Zaha. Um, and I was I was ridiculed quite heavily for putting Andros and PVA in there. Um, a lot of people saying they thought Jimmy Mack um, was man of the match. I understand that. He did play really well, put in a proper shift and cleared the ball off the line. Um, and other people put Tompkins. But 51% of people said Vincent Guaita. So um, you got to go with that. Um, it's pretty close behind that. It's a half 40%, PVA 7, Andros 2. Uh, what I will say, people, is writing one of these polls is more difficult than it looks. Um, you, you tend to look at the players that you like and you watch them uh, and then you ignore the fact that Kuarte's been playing pretty well and somebody said that on the radio, Kuarte was apparently the man of the match. Um, I mean, I'd find it very hard to give Kuarte man of the match, but everyone's got their own opinions, so... Just stop moaning, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> no, and I'm going to say, don't stop moaning. Give uh, Mike as much of a hard time as possible when he puts up ridiculous options for man of the match, and just until he just stops doing it and has a sort of major meltdown, that'll, um, that'll cheer me up no end. Um, sorry, but I am I'm largely joking with that. But it's always good to get your opinions as well for other options for man of the match. But there you go. Um, and yeah, I, as much as I. Don't necessarily agree. I thought Guaita was absolutely outstanding as well, so not not too surprised at the choice there. All right, before we head off, there was a, a VAR call. I want to talk a little bit about VAR, but not not for too long. Uh, and then we'll have a quick chat about what we think going into the Bournemouth game. So it was really, um, you know, Chris. I suppose it's probably yourself that I'll talk with, talk to about this the most before we hear from from Mike and Dr. With anything they've got to say, and that's that. Obviously, it was, it was noticeable at the game that. When Ayu's goal was disallowed um, after he put it in, when Kiate should have scored beforehand, obviously, um, but PVA's come back from an offside position. Now, obviously, we can't see that at the game. We can't see that the PVA's offside. We're looking at it from one end of the ground and it's happening at the other, so we can't really get the perspective of who's in line with what. But offside flag went off. And, of course, you've got the whole VAR thing where they're going to check it to make sure the decision was right. But it was disallowed before VAR got involved anyway. And the crowd are sort of sort of getting involved with it to a point, but obviously when the decision goes against us, it was I, I got a little irate at the automatic chant of VAR, you know, and I, I just think it's potentially a, a pointless waste of time and energy. But I understand why people are doing it, and as much as I'm not on board because I think that once VAR works how it should work, I think it's going to be a hugely positive impact on the game. Um, but at the moment, I just think we're, we're wasting a bit of time and energy getting angry about it when 
what we had there was, it's, and it's not so much people being annoyed about the VAR process. It was the people in the ground who were shouting about it being a ridiculous decision. And and it's like, um, how can you possibly judge? You've got, you know, it's almost like what I'm trying to say is that when it gives the decision, just just accept it and move on. And then it's and then it becomes less of an issue, I guess. Um, so what do you think, Chris? Well, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I don't automatically respect a referee's decision. They don't automatically always get it right, even though we're supposed to you know, always assume that they have. Um, that said, you know, I, I'd never celebrate a goal until I can see that it's definitely being given. Um, you know, you may have noticed that I, I fold my arms and I look around and I, I was looking to see if there were flags. I was looking to see what was going on. Um, and I had a horrible feeling as everyone was jumping around around us that it was going to be disallowed because it was just taking too long. And then, you know, it came up VAR review. It's worth noting that from from our perspective, I mean, the goal was scored at the far end of the ground from us. So we had absolutely no way of telling what on earth it was they were even assessing. And they give you no indication on the screen. I think they really need to up their game on that. I mean, I know that other sports, it's a lot easier because it's things like line calls or did it hit this percentage of the stump or whatever it is. But this was this is just rubbish and they really need to up their game in terms of just showing... They should show the replays. They show them on the telly for people at home. They should show them on the screen, show exactly what they're replaying, even have a little text bar that just says, checking for offside, checking for... Now, in this case, PVA was clearly offside. He touched it back to IU, who scored. Um, Fair enough. You wouldn't have had that singing if people could see, oh, okay, they were just checking for offside. He clearly was offside. Fair enough. Um, you could have argued he wasn't interfering except he touched the ball. So, you know, it's it's just a complete non-starter to argue that it wasn't right. Yes, singing FVAR. I mean, singing about a referee being not fit to referee and so on, sometimes that can get inside their heads and it can make a difference. It's not going to make a difference to a referee in a remote studio assessing videos. And it's just a definite negative waste of time. So, yeah, if you're listening and you did that, fair enough. I understand your frustration, but don't do it next time, please. Two two things. One, don't remote referees have feelings too. <laughs> and second of all, second of all, <laughs> what was the internet connection like in Burnley when you went? Because maybe it's more of an um, internet um, problem connecting the VAR to the stadium or whatever. Because we saw it at Liverpool, at the Liverpool game at Sellers Park. It worked there and we're located in London. They showed the replays as well of the VAR decision. So, mm. yeah, I'm joking. I'm, I don't, I feel like Burnley's got good enough internet connection. But overall, I feel like, yeah, the IU goal and watch it from home it was quite simple. It was offside. But I think the most, the more significant thing was the actual uh, Charlie Taylor handball incident. I'm not too sure what you guys thought, but that looked like a handball because he moved his arm to make himself look bigger, which you shouldn't do. So I was a bit confused on that one. Um, I thought they were going to give I've it. I've got no idea what you're talking about, I'll be honest. Oh, you don't know? <laughs> I've not seen it. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a handball. It, was, it, it happened in the first half, right before he went off injured. You know the blonde guy, if you don't remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember him going off injured. Yeah, yeah right before injured. that, yeah, yeah. there was an incident. Um, yeah, and it went out for a corner, but basically it seemed like he moved his arm and it made him he made himself bigger 
which I thought it was a penalty. Well, that kind of emphasises the point. You know, the game we couldn't see that either. So you know, I suppose you get a different experience watching at home, where you can you can kind of see those instances replayed. But uh, you know, I didn't see it, and I didn't notice it in any of the highlights that I've watched so far. It's a Burnley so, problem. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head with the fact that there was nothing on the big screen. I don't think the big screen would necessarily make that much of an impact. Um, I'm putting. You know, personally, I'm not telling anyone what to do, and if people hate VAR, they hate VAR. But you know, I think. Uh, it was also the first time yesterday that um, I'll put time in it again. It was the first time at the game <laughs> that I ever sort of have, have so far struggled to know whether or not to celebrate. My attitude so far is going to be, if the ball goes in the net, I'm going to celebrate anyway. And if it gets disallowed, it gets disallowed. But I had uncertainty um, with the goal that was disallowed because I just looked around and not all the Palace players were celebrating. And, you know, there was a sort of a, a weird atmosphere as, as, as the sort of handful that were celebrating were going for it and I just thought yeah something something is up there and fairly quickly it was apparent we're just going to have to get used to it um, as something I've been a season ticket holder at Surrey for years and years and years and it takes some getting used to in uh, some of the games in the cricket you, you will pretty quickly um, and the one thing I would say is a lot of the times you're drunk enough that you don't even remember what's happened anyway so you end up relying on what's happened on the replays on the TV. So um, when people go on about it's, it's it's bad for the people in the stadium, the vast majority of them couldn't give a toss, really. Like it, it's a game of football, and the emotions run high. And the yeah, I mean, it, you can't see what's happening, but you're going to cheer for a goal when you're going to be sad when it's disallowed. It, it's it's no different to any other day at the football, is it? Regardless of whether you've got. Um, VR or not, it doesn't feel any different to me. It just feels like a waste of time chatting about it, really. Well, I'm not going to waste much more time except to say, um, you know, they do need to show us the working just so that we can see. And then at least, you know, if we do want to sing FVAR after that because we think it was wrong, that's that's a whole different thing than if you don't know what the working was and you can't see what the basis of the decision is. Um, nonetheless, if, if you disagree with me about singing um, FVAR under any circumstances, then feel free to at me, Chris Clark, CPFC. Yeah, and um, if you could attach some hilarious gifts to that as well, um, taking the mickey out of Chris in any way, um, that would also be appreciated. Anyway, look, there's more than enough chat on VAR. I won't bring it up again <laughs> unless we absolutely have to. I'm kind of bored of it as well. But I just thought it was for me the reason I wanted to bring it up was because I just felt a little bit and irritated by people judging stuff when they didn't know the actual answer. Um, but perhaps more importantly, that I felt a little bit weird for the first time in trying to wait wait for decisions. So. I get the point. Uh, but let's talk about Bournemouth coming up as our next game, um, as the preview lads won't be recording a show beforehand. Um, I'm not too sure whether or not we'll... I'm not expecting any change from Palace at all in terms of the, the lineup, other than through potential injuries. Um, you know, if, Kay, if Cahill is back fit, I think he'll come in for Dan. If not, Sacco obviously will, I would suspect. Um, and there's a potential for Schlupp to, to come in for Townsend based on the substitution. Those are the only things that I think might happen. I think we've got to be very, very careful about approach how we approach the game. We're not going to be able to defend in the same way we did against Burnley and we've not got an awful lot of time to adjust. So it's, it's a real tricky task for the management staff to get the, the players and the team focused and set up for this game. But that's just as difficult for Bournemouth as well. Um, but yeah, I think we can hurt them. I think Again, Zaha will obviously, obviously be key to that. Um, 
but you know potentially there's you know there's the you know they they do get forward from the back quite a lot as well and i think we can really exploit exploit them in wide areas now we've been using those areas a bit better in the last few games so that's my general thoughts spot on uh, sort of saying there that they're a bit of an unknown quantity which they are this season even more than usual i mean they're, they're always a bit of an unknown quantity because you don't know what kind of Bournemouth's going to turn up um five or well, five three was it at the end of last season flattered him i thought um but their last six games so at home to norwich nil nil uh away to watford nil nil so you're talking about them dropping points to what was then i think probably the bottom two sides then a one nil win um against man united well we've all beaten man united nothing special there boom uh losing to newcastle losing to wolves and then losing to spurs so um, you don't know what's for a period they hadn't conceded hardly anything and they'd hardly scored anything and suddenly um, you know they're getting 2-1 2-1 3-2 games so Bournemouth more than ever absolutely no idea what to expect from them but what I would say Tuesday night Palace so worst under lights I would back us against any side bar, bar the big boys um, and I, I think we'll do alright I hope we'll do alright I'm I'm, I'm optimistic. Well, there we go. Uh, DR, any key areas that you can think of or you're just looking forward to the game? Um, I think one player that we should look out for, especially after what happened this weekend, is Harry Wilson. I mean, he came off the bench and scored two goals against Tottenham. Um, he could be one that could really change the game um, on Tuesday night. So that's one player to watch out for. But overall, I feel like it's going to be a completely different game to what we saw against um, Burnley. They've got pace up front with Callum Wilson and Solanke, um, even Ryan Fraser, which uh, saw last season that so that's Park equals all types of problems as well. So I feel like it's going to be a massive challenge for the defence and we need to make sure that if we have Cahill and <clears throat> the likes of Cahill fit that we need to play them. And it's, it's, it's a difficult one because I honestly don't know what to expect going into this game. I'm not as confident as I was against Burnley, you know, honestly, because I could see us actually... Um, I don't know, like losing this, there's a possibility, of course, in every game. But this game just is such a weird game and weird time. And so I'm not overly confident. Um, they've got some good players, but also we've got Wilf now who's high in confidence. So that's a massive boost. But it should be an interesting and entertaining game. I think it's on Amazon Prime as well. So mm. that's going to be different. Yeah, yeah, it is our first appearance on Amazon Prime, um, and they've got some football show on there. It's got it's got a really good name. They're called it's called Back of the Net, isn't it? But um, yeah, they hopefully should be expecting legal action fairly soon on that one. Um, I'm kidding, or am I? I'm not sure yet. Um, anyway, so um, uh, and just for you, Chris, I've got a quick question and I'll ask you what you think about this. Um, do do you think potentially, you know, you think about our struggles at home, scoring goals in particular? Um, do you think perhaps playing Bournemouth, and I'm not saying it's going to be exactly like the game that, that Mike mentioned earlier, the 5-3, but the fact that it is in their nature to, to try and dominate possession and, and come at us, even though it's away from home. Do you think that perhaps gives us that little bit more scope to be more attacking and, and not just be focused on shape and sort of negating the opposition? Because they're, you know, they're not going to do that to us. and it just, It'll open it up rather than, than have a sort of closed out nil-nil. Well, I'd like to think so, um, and we're definitely not. I mean, I, I would. I really hope. I, I say we're definitely not. I really hope that Roy is not going to be setting us up to, you know, keep it tight, wait for seventy-five minutes, and you know, see if we can grab a goal um, to 
coin a phrase from previously. Um, it's I, I'm really optimistic about this one. I think if they do, as you said, um, you know, come at us, I think you know they've got a goal or two in them. But so do we if we play the right way and if they give us enough space. In particular, you know, you look at the reality that Eddie Howe's got a bad habit of accusing Wilf of diving. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a penalty in in this game, possibly with Wolf getting tackled by one of their lumbering defenders. And the other thing is, you know, we, we we've got we've got to make sure that Sacco's in being disciplined because last time, I mean, he wrecked what you know should have been a decent point for us. You know, losing a game late on with a reckless mistake, giving away that opportunity for them to score. So, you know, I'm optimistic, but also I, mean, I think DR's got a point that, you know, that they are a good side, but, you know, I'm hopeful we're going to win this one. Mm. Okay, great stuff. Well, there you go. That'll uh, do us for the uh, the preview for the Bournemouth game. Very much looking forward to that one. Uh, a couple of little bits of contact from the listeners. First thing I'll do is just air Neil Ogilvie's opinion. Uh, and he states that just one point from the last five games before yesterday, and yet you could see the team spirit shining through in yesterday's performance. Full marks again to Roy Hodgson and his team. We are fortunate to have Roy at Palace, top manager and a class act. And Tom Lopez got in touch as well, um, talking about the fact it was great that we finally took advantage of other teams' mistakes and that we kept a superb clean sheet. But he's also talked, so we've got to mention how crap the Burnley fans were. And Chris, you'll know this better than most this it was so so good. They were streaming out of that ground way before the end. Um, the only time they really got animated was when Zaha and um, Bardsley squared up. Uh, then they boo- booed Will for about four or five minutes, and then that was it. And um, you know, I hate to say this, but you know they they were not an impressive bunch of people. No, really. I mean it was basically like a ground full of that that of that bloke who cut you up and then got annoyed. Uh, it was really quite funny. I mean, mostly it was silent. They left early. Yeah, not not impressed one bit. You think they're fl- they're sort of flying as well, and to be able to just stream out of the ground when you when you go two 0 down and just well, I don't know. I suppose that's the Premier League, isn't it? But anyway, yeah, absolutely agree there. Uh, uh, so great comment there from thanks Thomas Lopez. Anyway, that's more than enough for you this week. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, I presume there will be a preview show later on, Mike, later on yep. in the week. <laughs> what, what game is that you're previewing? Uh, <laughs> Watford. Watford. Yeah, there we go. Well done. I'm oh, just sorry. I just couldn't help myself there because I, I knew you'd switched off because it was the end. Anyway, do check out the preview show. And obviously prior to that, um, there's not going to be a Love Sports show, DR, because we are playing Bournemouth on the, on that night, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I was, I was expecting you to say um, there's going to be a Love Sports show, but I just realised, no, I'm not going in. No, so that'll be, uh, that'll be back next week, uh, Tuesday at 8 or 9pm, followed by the podcast as well so uh, obviously again please subscribe and rate us five stars obviously on your chosen podcast app um, otherwise um, obviously we'll, we'll be reviewing the I don't know I'm presuming we'll just be reviewing the Watford game I'm, oh, reckon, Brighton. Reckon, oh yeah the Brighton's on a Monday no I'm just I'm just saying like Mike you'll probably do the review of the Bournemouth game in the preview show right uh, oh yeah <laughs> that is confusing yeah yeah what <laughs> do you mean 
Why not, eh? Yeah. We should probably have this uh, conversation off air, really, shouldn't we? Um, still, anyway, cheers, Mikey, for producing. Thank you very much to DR, Mike, and Clarky, as I shall now be calling him. And, um, yeah, see you next time. Bye. Reviews, predictions, comments and rants. Send us your voice clips on WhatsApp. 0203 575 1266. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.